On today's episode of the Training Peaks Coachcast, your source for the latest information about the art, science, and business of coaching. Have you reached your full potential as a coach, or are you too afraid to turn athletes away? It might be time to find your niche. Hey guys, Dave here. On this week's episode of the Training Peaks Coachcast, I sat down with Tim Ballantyne, a very successful coach out of Noosa. Tim has been a longtime friend of Training Peaks and is one of our most successful Training Peaks Level 2 accredited coaches. During our talks, we discussed how you could become more productive in your coaching and reach the top level. Some of the things we discussed are being a project manager as a coach, correspondence for squad coaching, and what are some of the things that sets Tim apart from some of his competition when it comes to closing the deal. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Training Peaks Coachcast. I'm your host, Dave Shell, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by Tim Ballantyne. Tim is the head coach and owner of Coa Sports based out of Noosa, and he's one of our esteemed Training Peaks Level 2 accredited coaches. Tim, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Dave. How are you, mate? I'm doing very well. Before we jump into it, I've got a ton of stuff to talk to you about today. But first, I wanted to talk about a quote that I found on your website as I was preparing for our call. On your website, you have a quote and it says, don't take yourself seriously, take what you do seriously. Yep. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. Uh, it's good to see you do your research. Um, but uh, look, I, I'm i pretty strong on that. Um, and it's probably a little bit of, uh, in case the listeners haven't already picked up, I'm Australian. And uh, we, do like <laughs> to take, we do like to take the mickey out of each other. And that's probably that don't take yourself seriously, I I think some of the funniest jokes I've ever heard are actually directed at me or about me. And now, you know, if if I think about it too, you know, we call our friends all sorts of names and we call people perhaps we don't know or don't like mate. So, uh, you know, it's kind of like just don't take yourself so seriously, just just relax a little. And then obviously to take what you do seriously is something, you know, really important to me and is that, you know, there's this say and do gap people We'll say a lot of things and there's this chasm between what it is they actually do um, and the space that lies between that. And I work really hard myself and the people that I coach just to try and essentially minimize that gap, Dave. Um, and yep, sure, there are some things that are legitimate that lie in between that point. But if you, if you genuinely take what you do seriously from a professional um, standpoint, you can go a long way. Uh, and part of that evolution for me was becoming a full-time coach and certainly having listened to a lot of your previous podcasts, there's a real flavor of this whole jump mentality of going in full-time and what that does right. for the athlete experience as well. So it definitely helps when you're all in. I can tell you that because uh, the whole sink or swim mentality is very, very real, when, uh, particularly when you have a young family and a mortgage and all these sorts of things. There's, uh, there's no way around it. So I take what I do very, very seriously. I'm not a hobby coach at all. I was, um, but I'm a much better coach now. Would you just tell us, you've alluded to it a little bit, so what is your background and how did you get into coaching? Yeah, yeah sure. Um, I have a pretty heavy corporate background, albeit I'm, I'm still relatively young in my young in my early 30s, but uh, I worked for a long period of time in the marine industry. I've been in and around the marine industry for a, for a long time and I, and I love it and I, you know, 
but um, you know, I started. I, I started literally at the bottom. I was filling up people's boats with petrol and then cleaning them when they're done with them. <laughs> um, and then by the time after about twelve years out of industry, I was a CEO of a manufacturing company um, in China. So um, I got to see so many facets. But at that time, particularly when I was very very busy and traveling so much, crazy actually, um, I was. Uh, an endurance athlete and uh, I really really struggled to find a coach that fully understood the challenges and the the flexibility required around not just a program but genuine accountability because it's so easy man you you travel Dave you do all the TPUs like how how good are the airline lounges with food and right. it's just so easy to fall into traps I genuinely saw an opportunity there because I really couldn't find it uh, to coach athletes that not so much high-level corporates and, yeah, we're all busy, sure, but people that are genuinely traveling, you know, at least once a month, mostly every week, that live and work in various different cultures, you know, be the Middle East, Asia, Southeast Asia, a lot of those expats, they're traveling every week, Hong Kong, Singapore, Malaysia, Bahrain, Dubai, they're all getting on a plane all the time. How how do we remain, you know, that canon of consistency? That's really hard. It is. It's genuinely hard um, to get that balance right. So um, having lived and breathed it myself, I think uh, that sets you up to add a lot of value. Now, it sounds like there's a whole other podcast just in that talking yes. about training those with the athletes. But like today, I really wanted to talk to you about, I guess, time management and just efficiency in coaching. And I think... Yep. A lot of coaches that listen, maybe they haven't made the jump to full-time coaching yet. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I would imagine that in order to make a living at coaching, you'd have to have a full athlete load of 20 to 40 athletes. Is that accurate? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, one of the beauties with obviously uh, being a level two coach is there's flexibility in pricing too. You can have bronze athletes, silver, gold, however you set up your pricing and offering is going to really dictate how many athletes you need and then obviously your lifestyle, what, what your commitments are in terms of family. But I, I wouldn't put a number on it either, Dave, um, because as your systems and your processes and as your management gets better, um, it's not that you just get – look, COA or, or my coaches as well, a big thing, a really big thing in our culture is not to get bigger it's to get better and it's such a cliche and people probably just roll their eyes listening but it's a, it's 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 a real thing you know our aim is not to reach a certain amount of athletes or anything like that it's just to get better and then naturally people are going to gravitate and that word of mouth gets around but uh sure um there there obviously is a minimum requirement i would say you know 20 would be about base, but you don't just, when you flick the switch, you don't wake up with 20 athletes. <laughs> um, right. You know, there's an organic growth there and you don't want to grow too quick either because uh, you're, if you don't have your system, system set up right, uh, you can fall pretty hard on your face pretty quickly. And so how has your time in the corporate world helped you with your efficiency and processes? Yeah, I, you've just said two really important words. Um, I was the CEO of a manufacturing company. Uh, that's all about systems, deadlines, uh, running to a, we are, you know, in essence, a lot of our coaches are project managers in a sense, they're also salesmen, but, uh, they're project managers. I mean, if all you are is giving someone a program, then, uh, uh, there's a lot more that you can, that you can offer. So, you know, whether it's accountability in the corporate world to 
your boss, uh, investors, shareholders, you're accountable to your athletes. Um, and the reality is just to go back to where I started, um, I think athletes really like that I can, I'm empathetic to some of their plights in terms of, you know what, sometimes when you've, when you've flown 18 hours, uh, it's really hard to get that 90 minute trainer set in <laughs> because, you know, you get home and your three-year-old's waiting at the door. That's tough. Like I get right. that. And uh, yeah, that's life. So uh, making that all work and then moving the chess pieces around, um, you know, to make it work over a two-week period. Do you have things set up for you? Like, do you have a typical work week or a typical day that helps you keep those things straight? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm a bit, you even, you know, we, we've had a little bit to do with each other over the years. Um, and uh, I think you laughed once. I held up a sheet of paper and it had my week <laughs> planned out on it, albeit it's, it's spat out by Outlook. But I, I run a 15-minute Outlook um, calendar each week. Um, I sit down of a Sunday night um, and plan out my week. Um, so, you know, when the host of a podcast is running 20 minutes late, <clears throat> uh, you know, it's, uh, you just have to shift the, shift the, shift the pieces. Um, so, uh, you know, but I, I stick to that. Um, and that's the big thing about, uh, spending that allocating time in your business and on your business too, Dave. So, you know, the important stuff, obviously being in the business is really the Monday through Wednesday for me. Uh, the actual programming side, the contact with athletes. Um, and then I really do set aside time on the business each week. But that works differently for different coaches. Some some have different systems that, that work for them. I find that that works really, really well for me. Yeah, I work to, I absolutely work to a to a schedule. And without boring, boring listeners, um, I work for myself in essence. So I don't need to work 8.30 till 5.30, I have very flexible hours. Um, and as a correspondence coach, I'm gettable seven days a week. So sometimes my day just cause starts at 4 a.m. Um, and at 6 a.m. I, I go for a run. Uh, I, people see, I know my athletes see me on Strava and they see me go for a ride at like 1 p.m. in the afternoon for three hours. And some of them might think, what the hell? Like, that's not, <laughs> right. that's, that's not fair. But they didn't know that, you know, at 10 o'clock the night before, I was on a phone call for an hour with an athlete in New York or something. So I just, I run the show how I, you know, how it suits my lifestyle. And can we just go, you just said something about being a correspondence coach. Can you expand on that a bit? What do you mean by that? Yeah, good. Uh, good. That's probably a podcast to itself. Uh, but this, <laughs> this, um, I believe that you know, a squad coach and a correspondence coach are two very different skill sets. Um, and having done both, you know, often squad coaches will have some correspondence athletes, but you know, they just can't quite take that next step because the coaches themselves are very good at being on the deck or at the track, but there's an art to language and cutting through with someone that potentially you'll work with for three years and never meet. And uh, I think um, there's a trap there. It's like, well, how do you develop that relationship? Well, you probably have to ask my guys, but I have really deep connections with some of my athletes that I've never met before. And I think that's got a lot to do with language um, and caring, responsiveness, uh, all sorts of, uh, all sorts of phrases. But, a correspondence coach in itself. That's what COA is. Um, certainly my business is a correspondence coaching business. Um, we don't do any squad stuff. We run a few experiences, camps and stuff. 
um, but we don't do any squad sessions. Interesting. And it, we've we've talked about this before at TPU um, when we're talking to coaches about growing their business. And it's I do see it as one of those things where you, you have a pool of athletes and if you really do want to be successful, eventually you're going to deplete that pool of athletes and to grow, you're going to have to go outside of that pool. Yep. And so that correspondence becomes very important, I would imagine. Look, uh, it's actually, it opens up the world, Dave. Um, thankfully, the, the the world is round and tilts on an axis, which uh, gives us seasons, um, you know. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, squads go through off seasons and on seasons and all sorts of things. And I might, perhaps my corporate brand or corporate background was like, well, that's not very sustainable if for three to four months of the year, I'm, you know, washing 30% of my uh, revenue. Uh, so we have a really deliberate strategy as correspondence coaches to really spread our wings across the globe. And uh, I know that we're certainly the most multicultural widespread coaching company at Training Peaks. We've got uh, genuine a- athletes in 28 countries now. Um, and that wow. can be a real that can be a real throwaway line, and that's um, that's more than more than eighty percent of our athletes are overseas, Dave. Um, and that that's I think that's a, it's a beautiful thing because you know if I think about you know what what makes us as a, as a business is our athletes, the stories, you know, athletes in Thailand who can't train at some times because of political curfews or some athletes in India that literally just can't get on the road because most likely they'll be killed. Uh, you know, athletes in Italy at the moment where the snow is 10 feet deep, athletes in Australia at the moment where you stand in the sun and you could probably cook an egg on your head. Uh, the, as a coach, I mean, how, like how exciting, you know, it's just that the challenges that that throws at you and that broad skill set, um, it's pretty amazing, man. It's pretty, it's, it's, it's really, it's great. It's really great. Well, it, you and I had talked about this or in the past at one point and, You'd said you, that you coach quite a few athletes that you don't even speak the same language. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. And so, how does that work? It's brilliant, isn't it? Um, well, training. I, I, I this is uh, this is going to sound like a plug, but I believe training peaks is almost a language to itself. And the reality is, is two hundred watts in Chinese is two hundred watts in English. Um, you know, I had an athlete who genuinely could. He is from uh, Zhuhai uh, in China. Uh, couldn't speak. A word of English, and thankfully I can hardly speak a word of Chinese. <clears throat> but uh, we got him; he got to Kona and did really well. Now, it's not a, success is not measured by people getting to Kona, but I think that that maybe demonstrates that certainly we're able to get you know quite a fair bit out of him uh, without even conversing in a in a language. That the numbers are the numbers. That that's a really heavy scientific approach. Obviously, that's not for everyone, uh, but uh, breaking down those barriers and helping people understand that there are ways here to use language and expression to uh, to cut down that barrier. So before we move on, I just want to go back and touch on another thing you said that I think is really important. So you had said working on the business versus in the business. Mm-hmm. And I think that's super important because um, just in my experience, I think a lot of times you talk to coaches and they get into coaching because they enjoy coaching. And it's like talking about building a brand or building a business is almost a dirty word. Yep. So why don't you, can you just speak a little bit to that? What is the difference between in the business versus on the business and why is that, that important? Well, in, in the business is really safe because that's that's what you got into it for. And that is, you know, the operations that for a coaching business, it's the service level. Uh, on the business is just lift, I, I sort of say it's just lift your eyes a little to the horizon and sort of see what's ahead. And 
potentially where you want to where you want to drive the business because ultimately, you know, uh, I speak quite openly about this. Um, that in the end will add value to to your athletes that time on you know that time spent on the business whilst it's not directly doing all the things for them in the end that that service will come through uh so it's actually a critical critical part um you know you see certainly uh you know coaches one of their sales uh one of their attractions is you know i've been doing it for for 20 30 years uh that's great and you're still doing spreadsheets uh so like you know keep from a competition point of view that keep doing that that's great uh but you know even (laughs) even in um in in three years i think how much we've changed and certainly working on some stuff for this year we're going to be changing again to keep challenging internally the business and, and offering our athletes different different services and uh yeah it's uh i like that side of it that's probably the corporate side of me coming through dave i love that strategy side i certainly love coaching the most but i absolutely ask my wife you know i certainly love the strategy sometimes most of the time she just kind of rolls her eyes at me with some of my ideas but uh if i can sort of hit a bullseye one in a hundred then i'm doing pretty well so uh yeah that that time on the business is is super important um i only just listened to um the recent coach cast with uh general Gen- 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 on yeah and uh you know what a wonderful uh insight that was into into branding so i'm not going to back over but a lot of the stuff she said if you haven't listened to it uh i would suggest that you do uh there's some pretty good stuff in there what would you say are some of the key things because obviously the business side is very important to you mm-hmm. what are some of those key things that set you and your coaches at coa apart from your competitors yeah uh, work out what it is that you're good at just from a service level uh, offering, so not necessarily as a coach, but we are. If if you are that guy or if you are that female athlete that can't get to four or five squad sessions a week, but um, is interested in getting better and getting the best out of yourself, where where that coaching service for you? So absolutely, um, we are not for everyone. Absolutely not. You know, some people love that squad environment. Um, and that's, and that's great, but probably, you know what, Dave, for the super beginner, the squad environment is best because, you know, as a correspondence coach, we're short on giving technique advice. For example, we can do videos, but you know, you can get much more value. And we say that at, at a squad, but if you've been doing it for a few years and you're ready to, you know, take that 70.3 time from five and a half hours to under five or a marathon time from four hours to three thirty or whatever, they're sort of like that stepping stone, I feel. Um, so we are absolutely um, targeted uh, at, at that market, um, those expat workers that, that, uh, that work in this part of the world and all around. And, yeah, I think there's something absolutely deliberate in the coaching and the sort of the training that we do internally as well is that being really across uh, different communication channels as well. So making sure that we're uh, all up to date because there's certain communication channels that don't work in certain parts of the world too. So um, it's a, yeah, there's lots of, there's so many facets, frankly, Dave. We see, especially with beginning coaches, they want to be everything to everybody Mm. and they're afraid to say no because they're trying to make a business. Mm. And so they're afraid to turn anybody down. Mm. And so I just heard you say that, you know, you're probably not for that beginner athlete. You're more for this highly motivated professional 
that wants to get the best out of themselves. And so do you think that, I mean, you said it's part of your success, but do you think that's important that like specializing and setting yourself apart so that you do have something that's a unique offering? Yeah, there's a lot of coaching businesses, right? And there's a lot of coaching businesses that apparently do everything. Uh, I think your strength is really identifying exactly what you're good at. It's really hard to do when you're when you're starting out. It's kind of like, you know, you've got eight athletes and you're trying to do this full time and someone comes to you and goes, oh, I'm going to do this, uh, you know, I'm doing this adventure race. Can you help me? Oh, yeah, sure. I, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I can, I can help with that. Uh, are you, <laughs> you're, probably, you're probably kidding yourself a little bit. It's, it, that's a really scary proposition to say no. Uh, you probably live in a fantasy world if, if, if you've got that discipline straight up to be able to do that because you are trying to feed your family and, and do those sorts of things, but you do get better at it. Definitely. Um, I want to try and say this without sounding completely arrogant, but um, <laughs> I definitely, uh, I, I say, I put it this way, Dave, I, I say no to far more people now than I say yes to. I'm sorry if that sounds terrible, but that's, that genuinely is, is the case. It, it, have you seen that it hurts your business at all? No. Or does it allow you to focus that time on the things that matter? No, it doesn't. It, it, it doesn't hurt. Uh, it's really short-sighted to think that it does, it, it, it does hurt your business. Um, because essentially you're turning away people at the door, uh, so that's that's hard to hard to swallow. But you know, probably after two months, it's not going to go very far, is it? If you're not the right coach for them anyway. Um, so, and that's just not fair. Um, you know, I think about me as an athlete and what you know, having that side of it too. Uh, I'd like to think that 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 was the case, but. Um, it's really tricky. It's a really tricky one day. I think if we just have two feet on the floor here, it's a really tough thing to do. I think it's 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 definitely an organic. It's it's an evolution as you as a coach as a professional to get to that point. Um, and I'll put my hand up. In the first year, I was I was saying no to nobody. Uh, it was yep, I can I can do it all. <laughs> you know, that's the honest the right. honest truth. So, uh, but uh, now very different. Very different. Like you, I'm kind of a sucker for quotes. And so there's a quote that I read fairly recently that's um, along the lines of that of, about um, basically not taking on too many things or spreading yourself too mm -hmm. thin. And it's every yes to one thing is a no to something else. Yep. You know, so, so by saying yes to that athlete that maybe is not the best fit, you might miss the athlete that would be a perfect connection. Yeah. Well, purely commercially, your, your best representation of yourself are your athletes. They're, they're your best. Your sales force are your athletes, essentially. Um, they're out there achieving and you're helping them achieve. If they're hitting their goals, I mean, the last two years, we've held above 90% for our like PBs on A races. Um, so, you know, we really try and fit ourselves with the right athletes and develop them um, that we, where we think we can help. So, you know, if we're taking on everyone where we just don't have the skill set to help certain types of people, well, we're kind of, uh, chewing our own nose there. Uh, it's not not a smart smart way to do things. And so you'd mentioned when you first started out that you were taking on pretty much anybody yep. just because you're trying to build the business. Yep. Did you make any other mistakes when you were first starting out? Um, look, the old cliche answer about, you know, you uh, learn from your failure, failures or whatever. Um, that it, look, of course, you're going to make mistakes. Um, but I'll say this, you don't want to make too many when you're starting out, uh, particularly not costly ones. Uh, that's that's to not say like don't be afraid to make a mistake and all those sorts of things. But um, you want to make a lot of good decisions early. You want to 
make sure ex- exactly you know where you're going. Like, you know, every in December each year we we have a, a meeting for the people that are involved in COA, be it strategic partners or or whatever, um, and they're involved in the growth. So we, we know exactly right now as we sit here in January, we know exactly what we want to get out of this year. We have a very clear plan, be it process, outcome goals to pinch a carry saying, but, uh, you know, we know exactly where we're going. So, you know, you just don't want to make too many mistakes, Dave. Uh, it's not like it's not like we're uh, Google. <laughs> it's uh, whilst you know whilst right. we're a good solid coaching business, we're certainly not massive either. So you know, um, but it happens. Of course, you, you're going to trip up. Even just as a very simple point, giving an athlete the wrong session for them that that's that's a mistake, I suppose. But you got to be really upfront with the athlete at first and say, "Hey, man, I'm. It's not nothing's perfect here. You know, we're a bespoke coaching business." Um, which perhaps I'd like to touch on as well, but uh, not just to plug my business, but what what that sort of means as opposed to tailored coaching. Yeah, it's a uh, there's an art to it. So we'll talk about bespoke coaching in just a moment here, but I wanted to go back and you had mentioned communication channels, and that that's something that I personally have struggled with, where yeah. you've got athletes maybe contacting you through Facebook Messenger, yep. WhatsApp, yep. Uh, email, um, text. Yep training peaks and there's all these different lines of communication yeah. how do you manage that yep keep it tight and do it early uh you know, you know uh give it give someone an inch they'll take a mile uh keep it tight really early so uh you know that, te- that people don't mind either they actually you know if i think about if i sit on their side i don't have an issue with being told uh what mediums that you use uh because that that almost triggers to me okay this guy's just trying to keep everything nice and smooth and efficient here you know, for for us, it's it's training peaks first and foremost. Email if they really need to, and uh, for video chats, which we use a lot, we predominantly use WhatsApp because that use that works perfectly in Asia. Uh, Asia has a lot of restrictions on all sorts of uh, video chat uh, mechanism, right. but WhatsApp seems to work pretty well. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where WhatsApp. May, I think maybe in Qatar actually we have issues with WhatsApp. So. Um, we we use one different app there, but uh, WhatsApp's pretty good. So now talk to us a little bit about bespoke coaching and how that differs from tailored coaching. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to be a coach with us, uh, you've got to be full-time. Uh, you've got to be level two TP. Um, and you have, this may fly in the face of some of the facilities that obviously Training Peaks has, and it's not not a criticism, but no, no, no workout libraries and no templates. So, wow, how do you – some? How do you how do you manage all that? Well, every session that we write is uh, is from scratch. And you may think, how the like, how do you do that for every athlete every week? Right, especially when we're talking about efficiency. Yeah, right. But trawling through, uh, how many times I see people asking about how they categorize and and work out their workout libraries and drag and drop. Um, I could think of nothing worse than a couple of my athletes sitting down for a coffee and having a look at their progress, and they notice that they're doing the same stuff. That that generally almost makes me feel sick when they're signing up for coaching. Um, so I think that's a really that that's a uh, that's a pretty big trap. So it's kind of like bespoke. I sort of see as like almost like a textile clothing thing. One of my buddies runs a suit business, and that's where I kind of pinch the phrase from. But you know, you you can go into a shop and buy all different size suits that, that one of them's going to fit you, sure. And, and that, you know, that those sessions that you drag and drop off 
um, your library, yep, some of them are going to be good for you and you can pick different ones for different builds, but nothing's going to fit better than the, than the measured than the measured approach where they actually take a tape measure to you and measure every inch. Um, so that's, that right. genuinely is what we offer. Yeah, you, you get a lot better at it. So um, if some athlete has got the same session, it's by chance. Uh, it's, it's not because um, we've just dragged something across. And so, like you, you just said that you get better at it, which I could see that. Yep. But I just can't imagine if I had, if I was coaching twenty athletes doing all their sessions from scratch. Yep. But you found a way through your setting up your week and allotting those five minute or fifteen minute slots. Yep. You've made it work. Yeah, get um, get that macro structure right. Um, so in terms of yeah, the, just the fifteen minute stuff is just the way out. Obviously, that software is set up. But if you really sit down and work out your week and, and even allow a little bit of overrun in there, so I even put like an hour every day for overrun because, you know, stuff stuff can happen clearly. <laughs> the world's a little bit unpredictable. <laughs> so I even put a buffer, like a mulligan hour, if you want to call it that. Um, uh, it's not for everyone, right? But it, it works really well for me and um, uh, the guys that, that work with me too. Now, so just a quick question to follow up on that. So generally, are you scheduling one two weeks out of a time out at a time or are you doing four weeks or does it differ depending on the athlete so it, apart from obviously the first week they start this probably even goes to the corporate side of things um every athlete can see two weeks in advance the whole uh thing about i'll send your program for the week on a sunday night oh my for, for our guys uh that's a nightmare so um <laughs> you know uh because Look, of course, there are things that bob up from week to week and that's fine, but most people know the next week where they're going to be in the world. So, you know, if I put something up and they say, oh, hey, uh, I've got to go to Hong Kong, um, I've only got access to a pool, we, we again, it's, you know, you've just lifted your eyes just that little bit to see that second week um, and then also uh, changing that second week. So I tell people, I tell people very clearly that that second week they can see isn't exactly what it may be like when you arrive at that day, but it's just to give them visibility over the sort of duration and volume that's coming. So if they have family time or if they've got a, you know, a vacation, I, I, I train my athletes to put um, icons or vacations in months in advance because not that I right. program that far, Dave, but when I'm sitting down and, and someone's got a race coming up, you know, in 16 weeks and then 13, you know, in three weeks out from the race, they've got a family holiday. Well, that's that's something that I need to know from the start because, you know, that's going to affect actually when I do peak them and need to hold them. So the more notice you can give your coach or the more notice that you can encourage your athletes to give you notice, the better coach and the better athlete that they'll be, particularly with the type of athlete that we work with as well. It sounds like with that process, it, it's extremely important for the athlete to let you know ahead of time what those scheduling considerations might be. Yeah, help them understand why. Like you're not you're not being a lazy coach by asking them to do lead work. You, you're, I'm, I'm telling you guys that genuinely you will get a better result. If you know something's coming up, let me know. Like let, let me know. I can do, do my job so much better if I've just got a little bit of a heads up. Um, but of course, you know, things bob up. Kids get sick. You get sick. That, and that's fine. That that's part of that space between say and do. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, you can uh, you can certainly. It's a wee thing. Like you, you know, you're working with your athlete. <laughs> like you know, sometimes you know you, you don't have all the answers. And I think you just 
said something important there too about it's not lazy asking your athlete to do some of the legwork. And I think, I think not only it's going to save you time, it's, but it's also going to make them part of the process. Definitely. You know, an active participant in their training. You, you have, look, varying athletes require varying levels of attention. There are the high maintenance athlete, which is fine. There are athletes that genuinely just like, mate, just tell me what to do and I'll do it, which is great. They're really good at following the bouncing ball. I'll say this, you know, um, whether it be gold, bronze, wherever they fit in the scale, if you're having to talk to your athlete every day, I'd almost argue that you're probably not doing a very good job of communicating with them because there is an efficiency here. I mean, you know, some of the elite athletes, like I'd argue whether Usain Bolt even spoke to his coach every day. So, you know, you do have to empower and ask them to think for themselves sometimes. It's not lazy. It's You're trying to teach them, you know, uh, right. it's sort of like that perceived effort thing that can be poles apart from the actual data. So you're trying <laughs> to, you're trying to teach them to be able to, uh, coach themselves a little bit. You're not so much coaching yourself out of a job, but you are trying to teach them. Um, so you had mentioned a little while back that you still train and you were talking about doing that three hour bike ride at one in the afternoon. Yep. So with everything else you have going on, you're running a business, you're coaching a, a lot of athletes. One, how do you find time to train? And two, do you think that hurts or helps your business? Yeah, uh, it's a really big topic. I'll try not to put people to sleep on. I'm, I'm really big on the uh, the tripod, that professional, personal and performance tripod. Trying to pick your moments over a year and plan that system of when when do you have your so if you're a coach that that likes to race which i think's actually important um you know when have you got your window there that you might be able to just to apply a little bit more time to that space and that's just planning dave um you know i certainly know that you know from july this year uh, i'm going to find it really difficult to have some spare time to myself with some stuff going on so i'm not going to be really racing that much in the second half of the year so i just front end my calendar um, and try and get some training done now. Um, same with personal staff performance. You just try and get all your pieces working together, and I teach that to my athletes too. If you're an accountant, uh, a financial year maybe runs different to the US and other parts of the world, but say if you're an accountant, you're really busy in May, so there's no point in doing Ironman. Like if you're going to have a really big deadline or a big project due around an Ironman or an ultra run, uh, you're in a bit of trouble. So we sit down or, or talk on the phone and say, okay, Performance generally sh really should come last. Your personal life absolutely comes first. Your professional life sits in front of your performance. So how do we work out the best performance race plan around those two legs of the tripod? Um, it's something that I've become, I'll say I've become really good at it um, and it's allowed me to do some cool things. Um, does it help my business? I don't push it. It drives some of the, the, coach, some of the people in close to me mad because they're like, you need to push it harder. I just don't – I feel almost uncomfortable. You probably hear my voice. Um, I feel it's there, um, but I just don't feel comfortable sort of talking about that kind of stuff. It's right. there for people to find. Um, you almost – I see some coaches using their platforms to even do like live race results of themselves on their own coaching. And I'm like, oh, how do you do that? Uh, but it works for some people, and that's how they drive a lot of business too. But I just find it's out there; it's there. I have look, I have an Instagram page, I do a blog, and that's all great. But I definitely don't pump that through my business. Just for me, Dave. It's just it's just me, mate. It's not for everyone. 
No, and it's, I mean, I, I would say in my experience, most coaches also race or train. Yep. And I, I know that I personally always kind of struggled that with that, but I, as you were talking, I was thinking about it and it's, for me, it was more with those local athletes. It's, it's always really hard for me to show up and do the same race that an athlete was doing or something along those lines, because it's like, you both finish, you're both, you know, tired, but they want to tell you about their race. And so you have to still be on at that that's point. That's a really good, that's a really good point. I, I do, I haven't raced in Australia for nearly three years, um, so two reasons for that. Um, I like to get out um, and race overseas. So race Malaysia, Taiwan, Canada, Kona, France, Indonesia, Thailand. So I get a chance to meet and press the flesh for those little occasions with athletes. I'm in Sri Lanka next month. I'm in South Korea in May. So I like to get out. That's a great. I've got nine athletes in Korea from Koa joining me who are in Asia. Um, I've got seven athletes who are coming down to Colombo to race together from the Middle East. So like I do like to spread myself around and that's, I actually find that that's a bit of fun. Um, so yeah, just yeah. a different, maybe a different attitude there, but uh, yeah, that's um, that works for us. The last thing I want to touch on here is we have, we mentioned that you're a level two training peaks accredited coach. Um, we've been running this program. I think we're on five years at this point. Mm -hmm. And just looking at the data, we see that there's, quite a big disparity between some of the coaches. And for those that aren't aware of the program, the way it works is that an athlete submits a questionnaire and then we will look through our database of coaches and based on the best match, we'll send out an athlete lead, but then it's up to the coach to essentially close that deal. And we see there's a pretty big disparity between, like, let's say that the athlete leads are the same between two coaches, but coach A is closing 80% of the time and coach B is closing 50% of the time or 30% of the time. And you seem like you're really good at closing the deal. So what do you think it is that you're doing that other coaches may not be taking the time to do that helps you convert so many athletes? Every night I watch Glenn Gary. Glenn, I don't, I don't do that. Um, <laughs> always be, always, always be, closing. always be closing. No, that's uh, that's too. Like, look, if you think about it, Dave. Like, if I say to you, you know, if I say the word sales, you immediately think what car sales, real estate. Like, it's still a very, it's kind of like this, not a dirty word, but there is a stigmatism attached to it. But hey, get get over it. Um, you're running a business and there's a sales aspect to it. Uh, so, you know, I think that uh, there absolutely is, is a heavy sales side to this business uh, as, as hard as that may sound. Look, having a coach to me is a luxury, right? As much as we'd like to think that we're a necessity and once they come on board, they probably, we want them to stay so we want them to think as if we are a necessity but absolutely having it i mean in terms of maslow's hierarchy of needs and endurance coach where do we sit um are we even are we <laughs> even on the pyramid uh so you know you've got to realize that hiring a coach is an emotional decision so when they're putting in that form in coach match that emotion's pretty high uh so numero uno is speed uh, getting getting to that lead as quickly as possible for every hour that goes past, chances of you converting that lead uh, diminishes greatly. Uh, we have a great connection with the coach match team there and we ask them to send them at all hours no matter what um, and most of the time we'll get to them pretty, pretty quickly. How often a, a coach match lead then comes back within 20 minutes is like, wow, 
thanks for the prompt response because one of the concerns of a correspondence coach is how am I going to be able to talk to you? So you're already shelving one of the concerns with having someone a thousands of kilometers away just by that first point of contact being relatively quick. The second thing is never, ever template your emails, not even the high X or your opening line or whatever it is about yourself. Type it, write it every time. Um, it could just be a few words that goes to that language. Different cultures value different things. Work, work out what they are by working with different cultures. You know, so just you know, play to that. They're just different cultures, just the way that you're raised. So never, never use templates because, again, there's a correspondence thing. You know, probably are you just going to send me something that you send Joe Blogs? You know, you just template stuff out. So I reckon you can see straight through a template email when it comes across your desk or on your inbox. So never... Never do that um, and give them my third, there's probably five or six things, I'll give you three. Give it, get, have a call to action, put questions in there. Give them a reason to engage with you to set up that call. Give them a reason to talk about that. They're athletes, man. They, they like to talk about themselves. Um, so give them a reason to talk about themselves um, and keep it positive. Tell me about the best race you've ever had. What's your, you know, without being corny, but like what's your dream? Like how can we, how can we make this happen? That just projects it, it. It takes away that man. This guy can change my life. Um, yeah. So if you've got other coaches in your business, help them get better. Like, help them get better. You're going to have your way. Help them get better. You make such a good point with the correspondence coaching and, and speed, and that it, you know, just laying that fear to rest. That if they're afraid that you're not going to be responsive, if you can get back to them within an hour, that goes great length. So. Yep. Thanks again for all your time and everything you shared with us today. Um, is there a place people can follow you, either Twitter, Instagram? Yeah, sure. To just keep up with what you're doing? Uh, well, the coaching business is koa sports, koasports.com.au, um, or just me personally on Instagram, um, Tim Ballant, at Tim Ballantine, uh, with a bit of quirky spelling, but uh, sure, I'm sure you'll put it in the show notes. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we do a lot of great content. Um, so, uh, yeah, and if you're, you know, we're on the lookout always for, for good coaches that can offer for us. So if you're perhaps part-time and looking to go full-time, happy to chat. Cool. Well, awesome. Thanks so much for your time, Tim. Appreciate good it. Good on you, Dave. Thanks, mate. Yep. Take care. Hey, guys. Dave here again. Hope you enjoyed our talk with Tim. As Tim mentioned, you can reach out to him if you are interested in potentially becoming one of his assistant coaches. And also, Tim has just released a new podcast called the Koa Sports Podcast, which we will link to in the show notes. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a rating on iTunes. And if you'd like to hear about other subjects, let us know by either tweeting to us at at trainingpeaks.com or messaging us on Facebook. Until next time. <laughs>